The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll be your host for fun today. I'm kind of a spiritual journeyman and media producer type guy. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. Joining me today... As my co-host is Spiritual Rebel Sarah Bowen, author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. How are you doing today, Sarah? I am really good, Jim. I have exciting news to report. What's that? After four years of diligent study, I am almost done reading Harry Potter. <laughs> well, congratulations. So after you read them, you're going to have to go to the sorting hat and see which school you're going to. Well, I went to the the uh, the quiz that they have online, and it told me which house I'm supposed to be in, but I disagree. Which one did you get? Well, I'm supposed to be Gryffindor, but I'm definitely a Ravenclaw. Oh, well, you know, those online quizzes can't always be accurate. No, but you know what? You know, I figured I should finally read that series before I turned the big 50, right? So it was about, about time to finally read Harry Potter, and I've enjoyed it. But I have a bone to pick with the books. What's that? So I have to tell you about this. Well, you know, I've noticed that they really treat critters pretty horribly in those books, hmm. right? They're always using them for potions and spells and things, and they treat those little house elves pretty badly. And so I've been thinking about how the stories that we read as children, or perhaps as really old children, like I am right now, um, how, those, how those influence us. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, I never looked at it with that lens. I guess I was caught up in the, the magic and the fun of it, but that's very interesting perspective. I guess I, I, would, uh, I would have to revisit that. That's interesting. Yeah, because, you know, we've been watching a lot of science fiction lately too, and I've been thinking a lot about um, the value of synthetic life and droids and robots and all these different things we're expanding into now. Um, how do we treat them and how do we teach our kids to treat them? So that's kind of been on my mind. Sure. And we're going to be talking with uh, some wonderful folks today about uh, children and new thought and how we can help develop them. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Harry Potter, you know, you got to say the books are, are w very well written and a lot of fun, besides the fact that you're, you're bone to pick, which is valid. Well, and I probably shouldn't have even said bone to pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
I should probably follow my own advice there. But yeah, I have enjoyed it. I think it's it's interesting to uh, to embrace my inner Hermione and uh, to kind of see see these kids grow up. It's interesting. Yeah, my wife and I, when they first came out, uh, we were, I mean, we were, we were there at the beginning. I mean, we were, as they were coming out, we were reading them as adults. They were just, you know, so much fun to me. We even stood in a line once for one of the last books. Did you? We did. It was a cultural touchstone. I can just picture you doing that too. Were you dressed up? <laughs> I had my Darth Vader outfit on, which was really incongruous with uh, the rest of the crowd. Well, now this is perfect because I went to a Harry Potter retreat about a year ago. And at the lunch, there were about 100 Harry Potter fans. And at the lunch, we had different tables with different topics. And I sat down at the one that said Slytherin curious because I wanted to, I was curious. And I started comparing Harry Potter to Star Wars. And they were like, no, <laughs> don't mix your myths. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, I applaud you for wearing Vader in line for Potter. <laughs> well, I think my wife would have actually killed me if I actually did that. But, you know, it was in spirit. Well, the, you know, the myth, right? I think that's what, what we love about it, this hero's journey through all these different books and seeing which, which way people envision it. It's just another, another big, long narrative. You got it. You got it. So I've got a quote today. Do you have one? I do. I'm going to go first this time. <laughs> go for it. My religion consists of humble admiration of the illimitable superior spirit who reveals himself in the slight details we are able to perceive with our frail and feeble mind. That was Albert Einstein. Now I have some bones to pick with that particular, with part of that, you know, frail and feeble mind and, and yeah, all that. Yeah, that, that, that hit me too. Tell, tell me about what you're thinking about that. Well, I, I just think that uh, just the essence of the beginning part, especially a humble admiration for this superior spirit in all the slight details that we are able to perceive speaks to me in, in that there's so much that is within us and in the creation of who and what we are from whatever source that it's important to recognize that from time to time. And, you know, feeble mind, frail and feeble mind I have problems with, but, you know, Albert Einstein was a pretty, pretty cool dude in many ways and, you know, a good thinker. You know, there's kind of something interesting as, as I'm approaching a birthday uh, with that fail and feeble mind, perhaps being gentle on ourselves for our senior moments. Maybe we can reframe that. Absolutely. I would agree with that. And also not hurt any animals in the production of this radio show. Oh, there you go, Jim. All right. Are you ready for this one? I am. We must be willing to let go of the life we planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. Oh, I like that. Who's that? That's Joseph Campbell. Oh, yes. Hero with you the know, I was thinking myths and I was thinking stories. So I was immediately thinking Joseph Campbell. Well, how can you not? Yeah, right. I have another one. Can I get a, can I get a second one? You may. Joseph Campbell as well. Find a place inside where there's joy and the joy will burn out the pain. I couldn't choose. So thank you for letting me double dip. <laughs> no problem. Well, I'm looking forward to our interview today. Are you ready to jump into the episode? I am. 
Let's do it. Here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment. Greetings, friends. It's Martha Creek. MarthaCreek.com to contact me directly. I offer this today an idea, an invitation, actually. And my goal and my desire and vision is to get these empowered teachings to the whole of the humanity. So feel free as you embody them to share them out with others, too. So the idea for today is... Find a place of rest in the middle of all things. Now, I get laughs every time I say this. I've been using it in classes and personal and private work uh, lately. And it's like, well, yeah, teach me how to rest in the middle of all this. Teach me how to be calm in the middle of all this. And it's like, well, I am teaching. I am living it. I am embodying it. And I am doing all that I can do. And I know that you are equipped to be able to find this kind of rest too. And there has got this notion, this busyness and busy holism has become a way of life here, even a culture. And then within it, we have developed over time what I'll call today three poisons. Craving, aversion, and ignorance. So... Other alternate words would be for craving would be greed, aversion, hatred, and ignorance, delusion. And even though they seem like strong words, um, it's words that we have denied. We don't want to be um, in relationship with those. But it's like to see what are the consequences of that. And the more I'm craving, the more I'm demanding, the more I'm in greed, the more I'm pushing and clawing and scratching to get, no amount of peace is possible for me in that environment. So think about the rest you could find and the rest that you could experience if you reduced the demanding, the craving, the um, uh, clawing and scratching, the greed. And if we dropped some of the defense, some of the aversion, some of the hatred, some of the pushing away. So in the first example, it's we're clawing, clawing, pull to, pull to, must have, got to have, got to have, should have, want to have, need to have, and dropping that. To this is what I have. This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. And then not pushing anything away, not averting, not hating, not defending against. So then we can drop some of that resistance, the denial. And in that defenselessness is our power. The Course in Miracles says, your power lies in your defenselessness. So if we dropped that or even a portion of that, more rest would come instead contentment, a sense of safety, power, and value. And then the third idea is to drop this notion of our blinding our way of what reality is and how it works. Those, the third poison is delusion or ignorance or distractions that blind us from the way that reality is. So 
If we stop pulling and demanding and pushing and defending, then there's a place in here to say, this is what reality is. Reality rules, and I did not get to pick. And the antidote for all of this poison is mindfulness and practice. So applying these principles. So these realizations without applications will be more hallucinations, my friends. MarthaCreek.com. Blessings on your journey. Funniest Thing Guy, Ed Biagioti, joins us with a new segment. Hello, everyone. My name is Edward Biagioti. I'm the co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio. It's my pleasure to be with you here today on Big Universe. And it's also my pleasure to share my thoughts on the subject of children or kids and new thought today. Uh, for the past 22 years, I have worked in education, particularly in uh, special education. Um, and nowadays, I practice meditating with my students. And it's amazing how much I learn from my children, from the children that I work with, from my students. Because one thing I found is that meditation comes relatively, actually very easy to young people. I have heard the word education stems from the word educari, which meant to draw out from within. See, as adults, oftentimes we've piled a lot of ideas and beliefs, conditioned reactions on top of the kingdom, on top of the good which we seek, which is within us. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within. He also said, or is purported to have said, that the, we must become like children to enter the kingdom. And so when I meditate with kids, what I find is it's not buried very deep, if at all. So we do simple meditation of focusing on our breath and feeling the energy move down through our body and up and down through our legs and our feet and into the ground and grounding us and out through our arms, you know, filling our chest and up through our neck and our head and and then we reflect on how people all around the world are meditating with us, that we're never alone, that whatever answers we need are within us. And if we can't figure it out, then we can take a breath and figure out who we can ask because the help is always present. Now, these are new thought ideas because new thought is really a way of seeing things. And new thought is really bringing us back into the natural way that we're inclined to see things, to actually cooperate with the universe, which is inclusive, full of love, and always flowing in the direction of more expansion and prosperity for all. And this is wonderful, wonderful news. And I think the problem with adults often when we're teaching new thought to kids is we think that we know something that they don't know. But the thing is, everyone knows this stuff. And in children... It's not, like I said, if it's buried at all, it's not buried very deep. The best way to teach new thought to children is to practice it. Because when a child sees an adult practicing kindness toward him, toward him or herself and others, 
the child goes, okay, it's okay for me to be my natural self. And then it just comes out because it's who they already are. And every child wants to be who they truly are. They haven't developed a lifetime of fighting against themselves to try to fit in. Inside them, it's right there. They want to be who they are. And when they're around an adult who allows them to be who they are, they just flourish. When, a, when an adult takes the time to know who they are, to, when I take the time to know that I'm amazing, that I'm a divine expression and a child of God, children, without even my words, become receptive and expressive of those same qualities because it's who they are also. And also when I practice these things, it, it is easier to teach children because I can, if a child is struggling, I can speak from my experience and say, you know, I was struggling with this earlier, and this is what I did to move through it. It's not like we have to worry about damaging kids and, you know, it's it, like if, if we try to teach them something. That's not it at all. But the thing is, first, we must practice it ourselves, like really let it settle in. And then see through those loving eyes and see the wholeness of each child and the perfection of each child before we try to change them, before we try to teach them. There is something inside them that knows where it wants to go. And our job is to connect with that and help them find their way to that place where they can express themselves more and more fully. Once again, my name is Ed Biagiotti. I'm a teacher in Culver City Unified School District. I was the inclusion specialist for 13 years here. Before that, I did several other jobs in the field uh, involving teaching. And uh, it's been a pleasure to talk about kids and new thought on Big Universe. Check out Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio. And remember that Daryl and Ed love you. And now it's time for our interview. Layla Dunbar-Keys is an educator, writer, and a licensed spiritual life coach and a religious science practitioner who creates integrative content and experiences grounded in truth and love to serve the liberation of humanity from systems of oppression. As an anti-racism and anti-bias trainer, she leads educators, clergy, and other social service leaders through a comprehensive self-discovery process that demonstrates and encourages them to create equitable and inclusive environments. Very, very important. For 18 years, Layla has been an adjunct assistant professor of sociology at Community College of Philadelphia. In addition, she's taught African-American studies courses at Temple University and served as an assistant director of academic support programs at the Philadelphia Jefferson University. Her book is I Am One, which teaches spiritual principles and practices to children. Hi, Layla. How are you? Hi, Jim. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to you today about our book, I Am One. This is exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. Well, let me introduce Mark. Mark O'Keefe is an independent holistic health researcher, educator, and coach with over 30 years of experience. A master teacher, Mark is certified as a comprehensive science teacher in the state of New Jersey and a secondary science teacher in the state of Pennsylvania. Mark is a registered nurse who's highly committed to patient advocacy, possessing a breadth and not and depth of knowledge in the biological, chemical, and physiological systems of the human body, Mark helps clients understand how their bodies function so they can provide the, provide the body with what it requires to heal itself. Mark holds a master's degree in education from Cabrina University, an undergraduate degree in science education from Temple University, and an associate's degree in applied science from Delaware County Community College. So, 
we're talking about this incredible book that's called I Am One, and Layla is the author, and Mark illustrated it, and it's just so, such a thrill to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. So I'm always excited to see um, new thought and spiritual literature aimed at kids because, you know, quite honestly, it doesn't seem that there's enough out there that kids can grasp onto. Now, I know your book, I Am One, illustrates key concepts in a way kids can understand, but it also works great for adults as a reminder, too. And I, I guess I'm curious, why did you decide to write the book in the first place and, and what inspired you to do it? <laughs> So along my spiritual journey, I decided to take classes at the Center of Peace, Center for Spiritual Living here in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And the culmination of my first class, which was called Foundations, was a project. And it just came to me that I should create a children's book as my final project. Oh, so and this was a final project for you. Uh, originally, yeah, yeah, this is, this is uh, January 2013. So originally it was, and um, because, you know, the class was only, what, eight to ten weeks long, of course we weren't able to get illustrations that quickly, so I just found some pictures that I felt represented the tone and the temper of what I was looking for, and took them to Staples and had it bound, and that was my final project. Oh, but neat. when yeah. And so when my classmates saw it, they said, you have to publish this. You have to publish this. Yeah. That's great. What, what inspired you to do it? I mean, why did you decide to, to go ahead and do this? Well, I felt that if I had known these spiritual principles when I was a child, that I could proactively utilize these spiritual principles along my journey, then my life would look really different. Um, and I, I really felt, I, you know, I read, I wrote the long form poem and I really felt that if children had the opportunity to talk to their parents about these spiritual principles, to really repeat them as a mantra and make them a part of their subconscious, that they could guide their lives and just live really powerful and meaningful lives and, and not maybe go through some of the obstacles that I went through or that most of us go through. And certainly people are going to have their challenges, but they can have challenges with these tools. So they would be able to self-correct pretty, pretty quickly if they could think about what you focus on expands or you attract what you believe. They could say, okay, why am I attracting this? And then sort of it's mathematical go back to the beginning and then just think a new thought. Well, and I have to jump in because when I read the dedication, the very sweet dedication in the non-Staples version, the professionally published <laughs> one now, um, that in the dedication, Layla, you say that meeting Mark uh, was your best demonstration of the law of attraction. So I just have to ask you about that since you're both on. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I, I met Mark when I was, an older adult. <laughs> We've been together for 10 years. Um, and I didn't believe for a long time as I was dating that someone who saw the world the way that I saw it, that someone who believed in the same principles and values that I believed in, I actually didn't believe it existed. 
And after attracting, based on that lack of belief or the belief in what I didn't want, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you get it. Oh, yeah. I get it. I totally get that. Get yes. Um, you know, I had, I had, as, as we all do, I had this flash of enlightenment, and rather than rejecting the flash, I accepted it because I didn't have another. I felt like I didn't have another choice at that point. So, I just said, I know that if I was created. And I believe this, there have to be other people who believe this. And I'm just going to sit still until that person shows up. And three weeks later, ta-da. Oh, wow. <laughs> there he was. Now, I hope Mark echoes that uh, joy of finding <laughs> you. <laughs> well, for me, uh, similarly, I think that everything you go through, helps you to become who you are and all the struggles help you to become. But it's really nice when you don't have to row upstream all the time mm -hmm. where you're both rowing in the same direction. And when you get to a point where you learn certain lessons in life, then you can row in the same direction with somebody. You know, I went through all that I went through and all of it was good, but you know, the challenge is to help us to grow, to learn the lessons we need to learn. So. I think once certain lessons were learned, then Layla appeared. And it's, uh, it's beautiful because, pardon? I'm sorry, I jumped in. Go ahead. Oh, that's all right. I think it's, um, it's easy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's easy because we both are aware that we're going in the same direction. I think everyone goes in the same direction but people aren't always conscious they're going in that direction. We're conscious that our, ours is to, to fulfill the spiritual side and to know that we're on this earth in a physical form, but there's a higher reality and then we latch onto that, then everything becomes that much simpler. And she gets that, I get that, and we see each other. There's no struggle with that. So what was it like working together on the second iteration, I guess, Layla, you would call it, of, of the book after your final project? So, again, I felt that I would be inspired by a feeling. And I looked for images for the first iteration that were based on a feeling. Okay. And then I talked to, pardon me? I'm going to rudely interrupt you because we have to take a quick break. That's fine. <laughs> Sarah, you know, that's a big question to ask right before I, I break. And, you know, and that's my, that's my bad for not watching the timer. <laughs> but I'm so, I'm so impressed by how sweet these two are in their relationship. Yes. I just can't stop asking juicy questions. All right. Well, we back will. Back into it after the break. We will definitely get back into it after the break. I'm sorry to interrupt. We'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe with on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Layla and Mark, and I rudely interrupted their uh, the answer to their question, and Sarah's going to update us on what that question was. Yeah, so I was curious about the process of both of you working together once you were both in the same boat um, working on the book. As I was saying, when I was in the first iteration of the book, when it was just a project for a class, I was looking for illustrations that made me feel something. I wasn't exactly sure what it was I wanted to feel, but I wanted to feel connected. And when it came time to actually getting the book published, my husband, who is a beautiful illustrator, I talked to him about that feeling um, and he, he connected with what I was saying and he just took it to another level. So I'll let him continue with that. Like Layla said, uh, <laughs> she had a, um, a vision of what she wanted and we went through a lot of different pictures and we went back and forth and some, some drawings some illustrations, it was like, well, I want something a little bit different. So it was really a give and take until we got to the right drawings and then we went from there. But it was an image of what she felt and then understanding what she felt and looking at a lot of pictures and drawings we came up with. Have you been, you've been doing artwork for a long time? Or is this something new to you? Was this? I inherited it from my mother. Mm -hmm. yeah, my mother's an artist and some of my sisters are so I've been doing it all my life off and on and kind of you know those art, art uh, talents kind of come you mm -hmm. see, people usually have them I've always had it so yes I've been doing it so, so, I, so I, I was taken by the quote in the introduction um, about empowering our youth by Frederick Douglass it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men Tell me how that inspired you guys. Well, I chose that quote for the same reason that I decided to write the book. So I was looking for, I proactively was looking for a quote that summed up the reason why I wrote the book and why I thought the book was important. So again, understanding these spiritual principles when you're a child and being able to self-correct immediately because you realize that your thoughts and your feelings are creating your life. And so Frederick Douglass's quote, that is easier to build than it is to repair, really did sum that up. When you think about engaging kids with this kind of content, what, what are some of the best ways we can do that, do you think? Mark, do you want to take that? Uh, yes, I can take that. In real time, uh, I'm an educator, seventh through 12th grade, science and math. And usually at the time that the situation comes about, the child is most interested. You can always tell them and plant the seed with illustrations and things like that. So you always do that. You give them the model, you give them the rules, you, you, you're an example of it in situations, which is probably the most important thing, being an example of what you're saying. But when they come to crisis, you know, how do I deal with this 
this other child is picking on me? How do I handle, I fell down, so to speak. My test grade wasn't doing so well. Somebody's talking about me. It's at those times where it becomes most relevant to the child and you can slip it right in there and show them the math of, of mind. Because it's, it's math, it's not guesswork. We know it's, it's basically formulas and you can show them that and then they can come back to you, you can follow up. Either it's going to work or it's not going to work. It's not really in between. And you can show them how, if they're open, that what they're thinking, they can adjust. And you see that a lot with bullying. And I've talked to a lot of students that were getting bullying. Cyberbullying is a big thing now. Words are probably worse than somebody coming and punching in your face sometimes because that's very concrete. You know what you either have to do. You walk away or you stand your ground. But when someone's talking behind your back, it's much more insidious. It can break a person down much more. And when, it, when a child's a teenager, when they're so susceptible to what others think, it's very important for them to understand their thoughts. And most people are dealing on a subconscious level anyway. So the thing is to bring the subconscious to the conscious and say, this is what you're thinking about. This is your expectation. Do you want to change that? So I find it's, it's, when it's relevant, it sticks more. Just like in teaching, when you make it relevant, it sticks more. With the I also want to add that um, I've been asked by several people to create a workbook. So I did start a workbook. And so in that workbook, there are more affirmations, there are stories. Uh, it's in process, but this is what it's going to look like. Stories, um, conflict resolution stories, ways of responding to certain conflicts based on understanding principles ways of affirming your power and your strength with you know affirmations meditations etc i love that i love that that's going to be very awesome I, I i can i can already tell based on the book um i'm curious i mean to me there's not enough of this kind of literature out there and i know that for me um i'm often thinking about my son um he's he's current he's 14 now and i want him to get these principles a little bit better I mean, he, he spent a little bit time a time in, the, you know, New Thought uh, Youth, but we didn't really have a whole lot of that around here. So mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I would like him to be able to have um, the ability to learn some of these principles a little bit more. Have you ever thought about, you know, aiming something at, you know, a, a teenager or, or a preteen or something like that? It seems like that would be a really valuable approach. Absolutely. Uh, I think the language, the vocabulary actually extends into the teenage years. So the workbook would be more specifically directed to someone who could pick it up and read it for him or herself, as opposed to the book, which really has to be read, particularly if it's read to a, a younger child. So yes, absolutely. And, um, we have had a lot of feedback from adults that said that they got as much out of it as the children did and the teenagers because they were able to approach crises with their teenagers in a different mode as opposed to a kind of doomsday scenario that, oh gosh, this is what's going to happen to you now. They could say, you have options, you have power, you can empower yourself. So it's worked. The book in and of itself has worked for for teenagers, as you said later, the workbook will expand to those specific situations that teenagers may face. And I have to say, as an 
older teenager, a, a, a very, very old teenager <laughs> myself, uh, that I really appreciated because the book goes through, you know, the 12, 12 universal laws, right? And, and in the back is a single page on each that really um, I found kind of synopsized and helped me understand some of the principles a little better. Uh, because it was so uh, succinct and and relevant, as you said, Mark, right? That it was something that um, put it together. So I, I I knew it was for younger people, but I really got a lot out of um, understanding how these principles interrelate. Thank you, thank you. I love that feedback. What has been what's been the response to the book so far? Well. Everyone that we know, everyone that has responded, even whether it's on the internet or through email correspondence, everyone who's read it loves it that we've, we've actually talked to. Um, like I said, in the early stages, I was really, really encouraged to promote it so that people could see it. We had a few really wonderful book signings, um, one at the center of peace which was standing room only and um, it's just a really wonderful experience so it's been only positive only positive results yeah that's wonderful that's wonderful thank you so in terms of you know applying it to today is there a particular relevance to the things that are going on in our world today that you might speak to with all this i mean we're we're in a very challenging time in many ways and i'm just curious if if there are particular parts that that speak to you more than others at this point so i'm a sociology professor i've been a sociology professor for 18 years um and i would say one of the biggest challenges for me in academia is keeping it academic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because um, oftentimes when my students ask me questions about the world, I respond with a spiritual answer. Mm -hmm. And certainly in academia, everything has to be measured. And intuition, in my opinion, my strong opinion, intuition is the highest form of knowing. And so when you have to communicate what you know intuitively to someone else, that's when you have to deconstruct it and make it academic. Um, so everything can't be measured. And if it can be measured, sometimes it takes a really long time to measure it. And meanwhile, you're waiting around with this knowledge that you are sure that you know that you can't use until it's measured. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, right. So for me, um, this is the relevance to the world that we are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. And so that everything that we see is an outpicturing of our collective consciousness. And Earlier, Mark said everything was mathematical. So you can look backwards. You can look at the physical effects, the physical manifestation, and say, okay, if this is the physical manifestation, then what was the thought and what was the feeling? What was the belief? You know, one plus one equals two. Mm -hmm. So um, that, combina that combination of social science and spiritual science 
helps to understand everything, everything that we see. Awesome. I'm not sure I, I totally answered your question. Oh, you but... did, you did. You did, that was wonderful. Are you working on anything else at this point? Or any, uh, are you working on the workbook? Is there anything else uh, percolating? So, um, as you know, I am an anti-racist, racial justice facilitator as well. So I do yes. a lot of consulting around that. So um, I'm crafting a book in that area. Um, and just really, at this point, in this stage, really just trying to stay focused in creating a book that addresses specifically what it is that I talk about. Mm -hmm. um, but as, as I said in my, as I wrote in my bio, I mostly talk with spiritual, like I work with the Episcopal Diocese of PA. So I speak to people about racial justice from the perspective of what is, what does it mean to love God and love your neighbor as yourself? Mm -hmm. So sort of that combination between what does it mean to say that I believe that we are one? What does it mean to say that I believe that all human beings are made from the same substance, but yet I harbor these ideas that make me feel that I'm superior or that other people are inferior? Mm -hmm. And what is it that I have to do to liberate myself from the shackles of that feeling? Racism, it really oppresses all of us. It impresses those, it oppresses those who feel superior, whether subconscious or conscious, and it oppresses those who feel inferior. Maybe it oppresses those who feel inferior and more um, a covert, less tangible ways. But when you believe that you are better than everyone else, that's a form of oppression too. And it creates the society that we live in right now and all of the all of the issues that we're seeing every day. And most recently, just a few days ago with Jacob Blake. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Well, you must yes. be a very busy person right now in having these dialogues because it is so important right now. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and you know, and I found myself, Layla and Mark, when I was reading the book, I, I was wishing that I had had that as a child to be taught those, you know, I didn't discover new thought until I was in my late 30s, right? So I was playing catch up. And I wonder about, you know, for children who are using these universal laws and understanding them and understanding when they're relevant, do you think that if children are receiving that message, that that will change? what we're seeing about race out in the world. Do you think they're linked? Did you want to take that, Mark? Uh, yes. <laughs> the, the way that slavery was set up, the main way that it was, uh, in a sense, enforced was not by force. It was by inculcating people with uh, a message and they would act that message out subconsciously because they didn't learn that they had a choice. For example, you get rid of the first people that will come over who knew what they were. They knew, they understood, they had a sense of who they were and you raise children, babies up mm -hmm. and you give them a system of thinking 
that makes them believe something about themselves. And you remove any examples that would, that would tell them differently, that would show them differently. So you would penalize those that knew who they were. Mm. And the same with, with white children coming up. Mm. They would only see a certain thing. You would inculcate them through education, through media, through everything for, to enforce that. So I think that if people want, if they knowledge of self, if you understand who you are and the truth of who you are, there's no way that you can become susceptible to anything that would tell you differently. Your immune system, your mind's immune system would kick in so strongly that you would say that's ridiculous. Mm. It's like someone going up to, if you use a sports figure, uh, think of the top sports figure in any field you want, or the, or the top scientist, and I'm saying, you know, you're stupid, you're really dumb. It, it would be laughable. Mm -hmm. So if you had children that were taught, then they would be immune to that kind of inculcation of their subconscious, because most people act out subconsciously. And the society keeps people subconscious. Mm -hmm. They have to, because consciousness would not tolerate the injustices that go on. It was like, because I would immediately recognize that who I am, my love of self, and then I would see you and give that to you too. It would be like, I'm not gonna do anything to you that I wouldn't want done to myself as the Bible states. So I think it would make a huge difference. Yeah, I think, I think also that and not casting aspersions or any judgment on any other religions. But when you realize that there are spiritual principles that govern the entire universe, and that these spiritual principles have always existed, and that every religion is founded upon these spiritual principles, then that, for me, that's much more empowering. So the reason why I said I'm not casting aspersions, because I think about Christianity, what is central to Christianity is this intercessor, you know, this grace or forgiveness or mercy that you need in order for manifestation to occur. Um, and when you realize that you don't have to, you don't need salvation, you don't need to be saved, there's no intercessor or intermediary between you and creation you are a representative of spirit, God, whatever you like to call the divine mind. You are a representative of divine mind and divine consciousness on earth in this body. And you manifest to the extent that you believe it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. I wish that's the message I had gotten. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> Me too. Right, you know, I think about all the all the ways that we um, we try to cope with who we who we falsely think we are, and I think what you've put together is a beautiful, beautiful tool for helping teach children um, what what they truly are. And and I wonder if we still have time. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are parenting at home now, virtually, and getting ready for the school year, or by the time they hear this, in the school year. And do you, as educators and as um, authors and illustrators of this book, do you have any tips for parents in this non-traditional education system we are in right now? So my tip would be to be self-defined 
to really understand that life is education, that academics, where you are from eight to three, approximately uh, five days a week, is just one aspect of your education, but your entire life is education. It's an educational journey. So to think in terms of um, the Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the seven habits is to begin with the end in mind. And that really guides my life to, to begin with the end in mind. So if you're thinking about what it means to educate a child, what does the end look like? What do you want your child to be? Not just academically, not just getting A's. A lot of us really get stuck on grades. And not that grades aren't important. Certainly they're important for a lot of capitalist ideas like you know, getting into a, a good college and you know, getting a higher amount of money, a scholarship reward. Um, but excellence is much more important. I mean, this is, you know, one of the concepts that I always talk to my husband about. I'll let him finish with that, just idea of being excellent in life in general. But if you have an image of what it is that you're trying to be, and then you craft a life where you're educated to be that person in wisdom, in speech, in temperament, in attitude, in generosity, all of these things, academic, academics is just one part that informs that. And I don't know if that's too esoteric for the average person. I, I mean, I don't know that I'm assuming that it isn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could definitely deconstruct and make it more concrete from there, but that's what I feel. <laughs> Mark, did you wanna add on to this idea of excellence or well, excellence, the only person that we should be competing against is ourselves. I tell my students that there, there's really no such thing as competing with other people. To compete with another person, you would have to be that other person because you're, at, you're starting at different places. You have different talents and no one is the same. So you use other people to influence, to motivate you, but you have to be better than you were. Yes, which really means you have to mature because everything we are is already there, just like in the seed. We, have, we grow sunflowers and it's an amazing to see that little seed and then to see that big flower and it produces other seeds and that's basically what we are. We are that seed from the divine that produces the flower, that produces other seeds that are our thoughts. And we can control to some extent. We don't create the thoughts, but we can choose which ones we plant down. I think during this time, this time uh, also that parents and need to kind of go to their, to their children and, and they have to understand themselves that change is life. You know, the law of conservation matter says that there is nothing's destroyed or created. It just changes form. So what we're looking at is life. And it helps us to understand well what's most important, the material realm, or as Leda was talking about, those those characteristics, those virtues that are truly ours, the honesty, the caring, the love. The forgiveness, which is huge, because I think a lot of people are probably beating themselves up right now. A lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people are saying, what if I would have done this? What if I would have done that? Realize that 
we all are exactly where we're supposed to be based on the mindset collectively and individually and it's an opportunity to free ourselves from the manifestation thinking that's the real thing the real thing is our minds and how we put our minds and our hearts together and no one can take that from you we're always powerful we say i lost my job i lost this uh, that's painful in the material realm but it, it can free us up by understanding that what created that in the first place our thoughts our feelings and understanding that it's mathematical we can rejoice when we think that there's something painful because it's consistent all we have to do is figure out what caused it in our thinking and our thoughts and and change that it's not so much that something's bad or good it's understanding the source of all things comes from in a sense mind first from the visible to the visible the ancients and egyptians said you know basically as within so without as above so below in other words it's done unto you as you believe and so whatever's inside of us has to manifest out so it should be a time of revelation of understanding that the the esoteric the the real thing that makes us human is to be able to think and feel and put that together and create in our lives. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been great having you on and thanks for contributing to the education of folks and, and to our youth. And you guys are really wonderful. Uh, Mark and Layla, thanks for coming on Big Universe. Thank you, thank you so Jim, much. For us and thank you, Sarah. Very thank much you, Jim. And thank you, Sarah. You're Appreciate quite welcome. You. Welcome very much. And uh, their book is I Am One. And I think for more information, can they go to your website, Layla? Yes, you can go to my website or you can go to Amazon.com. Awesome. And, and Layla's website is LaylaDunbarKeys.com. Yes, and, and Keys is spelled with two E's, K-E-E-Y-S. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. For more information about Sarah Bowen, go to www.spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses on my site called youthrivehere.com. Thanks everybody and we'll join you. We'll, thanks everybody and we'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.